Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Stephen Furtick. Stephen is the founder and lead pastor of Elevation Church based in Charlotte, North Carolina. He is also a songwriter for Elevation Worship, as well as a New York Times bestselling author. With his inspiring teaching, you'll be able to grow your faith no matter where you are. And now, Pastor Stephen Furtick will talk about the differences between falling in love with a concept and making a commitment. Let's dive into the message. I came to our church recently and asked for prayer. You know, as a pastor, I feel like that my job is to minister to the people, and so I don't, I don't like to put my personal burdens on my church, but uh, we had a situation in our family that I, I thought it would be appropriate to call the whole church to pray for, for support and encouragement. Uh, my kids uh, had banded together and decided they wanted a dog. And and it became a prayer request because the pressure became so great from all sides. When when you have a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old and a 5-year-old little girl simultaneously begging you for a dog, it's relentless. And and the thing about it is, now, I'm I'm a good dad. You have to understand, I consider myself probably in the top 10 percentile. I mean, I would put myself up against most dads uh, on, on a good day. And, <laughs> and yet, there's no chance I'm getting them a dog. They, they tried everything. I mean, they tried manipulation. Uh, my, my middle son, Graham, he was the primary culprit. I think, I think he was the ambassador. He's the one that they sent out. And, and, and the reason they sent him out is because he's, he's, got, he's got techniques. He's, got, he's almost got puppy dog eyes. He's got a little <laughs> raspy voice. He just has a way about him. And that middle child thing, he's just, he, he's very subtle, but he's sneaky, he's stealth, but he's just, he, he just worked me over and over again. When, when I would wake up in the morning, um, the first thing I would hear from him, not I love you, Dad, not thank you for this beautiful home, uh, not I appreciate the food that you fed me last night and the fact that there are granola bars in the pantry for me this morning. The first thing out of his mouth, can I have a dog? When I would get home from work, I would be met in the garage. Not, Dad, how was your day? Thank you for going forth into the world and bringing home provision for us that we might live and be sustained. Can I get a dog? One day I came home, there was a sign on the garage door, I want a dog. Now we've gone from asking to demanding. Now this is a hostage negotiation situation. We're no longer, we're, we're no longer pleading. Now we are simply declaring what we want. And so I told my church, pray for me. And the reason I want you to pray for me is because under no circumstances are my children getting a dog and it's not because I'm not a good dad, and it's not because I don't love them, and it's not because I don't want good things for them. It's because I know my family, and we are not a dog family. We are not a pet family. Graham has 
an iguana that he barely keeps alive. He can barely give this sucker three crickets a day, okay? Or it's a gecko or it's something, but I know that the thing has almost died several times. If you can't take care of the gecko, I'm not getting you a German Shepherd. So no, it's my final answer. You, you don't want a dog. You, don't, you wouldn't even like a dog. You, you like the concept of a dog. The concept of a pet. But sometimes there's, there's other stuff that comes along with the dog. There's, there's, there's the concept of a dog. That's cute. But who's going to clean up the other stuff? There, there's, a, there's a big difference between falling in love with a concept and making a commitment. Because a dog is a commitment. I've had a dog. It's a commitment. It's a commitment to train it. It's a commitment not to kill it. It's a commitment to keep the dog from killing its stupid self. Can you tell how I feel about this? I'm very passionate that there are some people who are just not dog people, and I am not a dog dad, and my children are not dog kids. And so I told Graham, if you can keep your room clean for three days straight, then maybe I'll consider getting you a dog. But until you can demonstrate some form of commitment, this conversation is over. Yeah. And for now, I think I've, I've gotten them to shut up. Because... because What's often attractive in concept form is a lot different when it comes to commitment. Now, now, we've been talking for a whole series about how God uses broken people to do big things. And my premise has been that there is a calling on your life. And when I talk about that concept of, of calling, I notice that people get excited regardless of their age. I notice that regardless of economic status or ethnicity, People seem to get excited about calling. College students get excited about calling. Moms get excited about calling. There's something about believing that my life could be on purpose. Believing that there's something that I'm meant to be and meant to do and meant to accomplish and that I could wake up with a sense of assignment. It sounds sexy. I want a calling, a high calling. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. How many want to fulfill your calling? And hands go up when, when I ask that. But when it comes to the commitment, there's often a disconnect. To illustrate this, let's look at an Old Testament passage. One of my favorites, I even wrote a book about this Bible character called Elisha. And his story is told in the pages of the annals of First and Second Kings. We're just going to take a small snippet of his story. There's no way I can get across the magnitude of his ministry in this one session, but let me try to communicate something about calling. And I want to use as a title for this challenge that I want to bring to you today, the test before the transfer. The test before the transfer, because the Bible says that in verse 9 of 2 Kings chapter 2 that Elijah and Elisha were crossing over. Now, Elijah, you think of him kind of like the mentor Elisha is the successor. He's going to take over Elisha, Elijah's ministry, which is no small thing. And just before Elijah is about to be taken up to heaven in a season of transition, and this message will specifically speak to you today if you feel in a sense that your life is in transition. To be alive is to face transition. Yeah. That's true. And so this passage gives us some principles about transition. It says, 
that when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Now, this is a big question. What do you want? What do you want? And Elijah, he's a mighty man of power, so he can make things happen. What is it that you want? Elisha has been following Elijah for six years, some scholars say at this point. And now before Elijah leaves and puts the authority of the ministry on the shoulders of Elisha, who's been in training, he says, what can I do before I'm taken from you? And Elisha says in verse 9, part B, let me get a dog. And then doesn't say exactly that. He says, let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. In other words, I want to do twice as much as you did for God. I want for my potential to exceed your power. I want to go further than you've gone. I want to do greater things than you've done. And I love Elijah's response because he sounds like a dad. He sounds like me talking to Abby or Graham or my son, Elijah, verse 10. You have asked a difficult thing. You don't know what you're asking for. You've seen me do the ministry, but there's a big difference between watching somebody do big things for God and doing them yourself. There's a big difference between petting a dog and walking a dog every morning. You've asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me, when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. You know what's interesting? While they were walking along and talking together, the Bible says suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. Can you hear the soundtrack in your mind, chariots of fire soundtrack? I just need you to get that in your mind right now. Maybe we can add it in. It's an after effect. Just imagine it right now. And here come the chariots of fire. But these are not just the chariots of, of change. These are the chariots of transition that are going to take Elisha's spiritual father away and everything that has been familiar to him and everything that he's been following now and left his familiar life behind to run after it's it's going away in a moment and the Bible says that the two were separated and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind and Elisha saw this and cried out my father my father the chariots and horsemen of Israel and Elisha saw him no more and then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two and Elisha picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him. Can I have your jacket, Holly? I was thinking about this cloak. It's, this cloak was the same kind of cloak that six years earlier when Elisha was plowing in a field and Elijah came by, he threw the cloak on him, threw it on him. It was a symbolic gesture. It represented the mantle of ministry that Elisha was walking into. And so now when Elijah leaves and God is taking him, leaves something behind. He leaves the cloak behind. And the Bible says that when Elisha saw it, he picked it up and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan and took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. The Jordan, which represents transition. You see the theme of transition in this passage. It's what you do in transition. It's the connection in transition, the test before the transfer. And he took the cloak and he struck the water with it. And he asked the question, where now is the God of Elijah? And when he struck the water, it says that it divided to the right and to the left. And he crossed over. 
when he, when he took what was left from the one that he had followed faithfully and had the faith to perform a simple task to strike the water, God did something supernatural. You know, friend, you are going to face some moments in your life where what you have been taught will be tested. Where the patience that you've learned about will provide an opportunity to be put into practice. <laughs> the tools of transformation are not usually workbooks that God lets us fill in or highlighters with which we use yellow for adjectives and green for verbs in our study Bibles. The tools of transformation that God uses in our life are pain, tears, trouble. All of these are represented in 2 Kings. All of these are the tools that God uses so that broken people can do big things. And I've been thinking a lot about this because usually when I sit down with somebody who's just getting started in ministry, and in many ways I feel like I'm just getting started in ministry, but I've been a pastor now for a little over 10 years of the same church, and I've been preaching longer than that, so I guess I'm not a rookie anymore. And now when someone sits down with me and, and they ask me, how can they prepare for their calling? I feel like God wants to do something big through my life, and usually they'll start speaking futuristically about what that looks like. I sound kind of like Graham. You know, I want a big church, or sometimes it's somebody who's not married or married, doesn't have kids, you know, something that they want. And those are good desires. It's great. I mean, we all have dreams and we should. But I think sometimes we, we miss the connection between, well, what's next and what's now. The only question you have to answer where is God at work now in my life? Where is God at work now? Boy, we sound so silly as a church sometimes, talking about, I wish we could go back to the Bible days. Do you really? <laughs> you sure you want to go to jail for preaching about Jesus? Really? Because you're not going to have your ichthus on your car if you go back to the Bible days, okay? Are you sure there's no Christian radio stations in the Bible days? Are you sure there's no TBN or Christian broadcasting network in the Bible days? Maybe these are the Bible days. Where now is the God of Elijah? Jesus said that greater works will we do in his name because he sent his spirit. He's, he's given us a, a double portion. He said we would do greater things than he did while he was here because we are one in his name. Where now is the God of Elijah? So when I talk to somebody who's talking about what God's going to do through their life, I try to get them to take a look at what he's doing. Because whatever God is going to do is going to start with what he's doing. And your faithfulness in this season will determine your future. Why would God open another door when you're not willing to walk through the one that he's put before you? It's so simple that tomorrow's success is dependent on today's sacrifice. 
Because if you think about Elisha, he really wasn't looking for a new job. He wasn't looking for a next level or a new assignment. The Bible says that when Elijah came by Elisha six years before the passage that I read to you, that Elisha was plowing. He was the twelfth in line, plowing. You can read this in your Bible in 1 Kings chapter 19 for later study. And all of a sudden, he, he, he feels something that represents something, and he follows after Elijah. And he follows him, not, not in order to work miracles, but in order to serve the one who would work miracles. Now, I hear a lot of us talking about doing big things for God, but would we be willing to spend six years in obscurity? Would we be willing? Because here's the interesting thing. The Bible says that Elijah threw the cloak on Elisha, but then he took it back. And he took it back so that Elisha could learn what he needed to learn and become who he needed to be to handle what God had in store for him. Sometimes it's God's mercy that he doesn't give you what you want the moment you ask for it. Sometimes it's God's mercy that he says, no dog for you. <laughs> it's God's mercy that he puts you through six years of testing, six years of testing, six laps around the Jericho wall, six times to go look at the cloud, six years of testing, six years of training, six years of transformation, six years of infrastructure. Some of you are in a period right now where it seems like nothing's happening, but you're being tested for the transfer. You're being tested. You're, you're in transition, and your faithfulness in this season has everything to do with how you will experience the next season. Trust me, you don't want to go forward into what's next without picking up what God wants you to learn now. You're going to need this mantle. You're going to need all these lessons. You're going to need what you learn in the lonely times. God's going to use all of it. It's a test. The other day, I wanted to make an investment, a large investment. I wanted to take some money and move it from my account into an investment account. And I was out of town, so I had to do it through somebody. And I didn't have long to do it. And so I told our church's CFO to make sure that there was a, a wire sent to the account. And I gave him the information. Well, our CFO was out of town with me, so he had to tell a controller to send the money. Now, this is my money, and so I can, I can put my money where I want to send it. But see, I have control set up, so nobody can take my money. So I told the guy to tell the guy to send my money to the guy. But the guy that I told to tell the guy had to tell the guy, well, let me put it to you this way. In order for the money to be released, certain things had to happen to validate the party that was receiving the funds. So when my CFO reached out to the guy and said, wire the money. The controller said back to the CFO, I need you to verify that this is really you. He called him on the phone because he needed to hear his voice to know that this is really you asking for the money. In other words, I got to give you a test before I can make the transfer. I'm not just going to release some money that's not even mine to somebody that I don't know who it is. No wonder Elijah took the cloak back. I work to build this ministry. I'm not going to just give it to you without you proving that you're willing to carry it through hard places. And some of you have been wondering why you're in the wilderness right now. It's the test before the transfer. And you can't receive the transfer if you don't pass the test. The Bible says that the company of prophets stood at a distance watching, and that's how a lot of Christians live, standing at a distance watching, waiting, 
but it's the people who are close enough to catch it. That's all God needs you to be, by the way. One preacher said he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. It might be a cliche, but it's, it's a good one. Because that's exactly what he does. The only thing I can find that the disciples did right to be on Jesus' team was to follow his instruction. And the only instruction I can find that he gave was follow me. Is it really that simple? I think it is. I think it is. I think, I think all you have to do is stay close enough to catch it. And the wonderful thing about God is he doesn't need for you to do something extraordinary in order to bless you. He just needs you to be in your position so that when the opportunity comes, he can trust you because you've proven that you're obedient in the small things. And if you're obedient in the little things, he can give you an opportunity in the big things. Follow me. Come on. Follow me. Follow me and learn from me. That's what it means to be a disciple, a perpetual learner. Just stay close. Chase it. Chasing after God. The only reason that callings are aborted is because people give up the chase, get winded, get tired of wondering, is this ever going to work? I believe there's somebody that God is speaking to today, and you're at a transition point in your life. What you do now is going to determine what happens next. You know, you can only affect the future from the present. Can't affect it from the past, wishing you would have. You might have lost some time. You might have missed some opportunities. Maybe there were some times where you let the cloak fall to the ground. Maybe there's some opportunities that you missed with your kid. Maybe there were some opportunities that you've already let slip by. You can't do anything about that. What I love about Elisha is he picked up the cloak. And I believe God is saying to somebody today, let's pick up where you left off. That's what grace is. Grace gives you the ability to begin where you are and to continue forward with full confidence that God is working in my life. You're in a test right now. That's good. That means God is getting you ready for a transfer. That means he's getting ready to turn your sorrow into joy, your mourning into dancing, your captivity into deliverance, your season of scarcity into a season of abundance, but you got to be found faithful in the meantime. And God is saying, pick up the cloak and strike the water and move forward in faith. I want to pray for you today in Jesus name that you would stand where God has planted you, complete the work that God has assigned to you and see all the things that he has promised you come to pass. I believe that this is your moment to make a decision in your heart. Even when you don't see the miracles, you will believe the promise and follow the instructions that God gives to you in obedience to his word. I pray today for a double portion of God's blessing and courage in your life. I pray that he would pour it out in abundance so that you may go forward into all the things that he's called you to do. And as you cross the Jordan, 
into the next season of your life. May you do it with the confidence that he who has called you is faithful and he will finish what he started. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Stephen Furtick. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.